church said. Amen. Now hold on before you sit down. We're talking about love this morning. I want you to take about a minute with those around you. Don't leave the room with those around you. I want you to think of as many songs as you can with the word love in it and just share those with the people around you and then we're going to get started. Go. All right, about 10 more seconds, and then you can have a seat. All right. What's love got to do with it? It's just a secondhand emotion, right? Now, I didn't tell you that you just had to share church songs. You can share any of it. You know, as we come to the theme of love, I looked in my Bible and my psalm book just before I got up. In the psalm book, there's about a page and a half of songs with love. And then in my concordance in the back, you look up love or a version of it, loved or however they come, there's about two and a half pages, the back of my Bible, with scriptures that just deal with the theme of love. Mac Ray said it just about as good as anybody else can say it in this church, didn't he, this morning. Mac, thank you for your thoughts this morning uh, as we gathered around the table. God is love. Amen. Let's bow for a word of prayer as we begin. Father, we love you so much, and we just praise your name for who you are. We praise your name that you saw fit in your plan to send your son and to sacrifice your son so that we could live. Thank you for that love. And the love that you have for us, may we have that love for you and for one another. This is our prayer in Jesus' name and all of God's people said. Several years ago, there was a man named George Wald. He was intrigued by sight. And as a scientist, he studied a number of aspects concerning vision. Most notably, he was so impressed at how the vitamin A improves vision. And then he went on to research how cells in the retina perceive color, black and white, and then passes those images on to the brain. And so he was moved and he was driven by his studies. And so in 1967, he shared the Nobel Prize in medicine for his research on how the eyes see and passes visual images on to the brain. He taught at Harvard University. He was the Higgins Professor of Biology. 
emeritus when he died at the age of 90 years old. He was so intrigued by it that he just continued, even at that old age, to continue to study and research that. Well, of all the things that he accomplished in his life, when speaking of his Nobel Prize, this is what I want you to hear. He made this statement. He said, what one really needs is not the Nobel Prize, but love. How do you think one gets to be a Nobel Prize winner? Wanting love, he says. Wanting it so bad that one works all the time, and he works and works and ends up as a Nobel Prize winner. It's a consolation prize. But he said, what matters the most is love. I love that statement. I think it speaks volume from a scientist and a doctor, how intrigued he could be with his studies. But more than that, he was touched by the aspect of love. And so this morning as we begin, I want two scriptures to sink into your minds as we talk about love. The first one is in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, let's read this together, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And then probably one of the most popular scriptures that deal with love, the one that we probably look at and, and remember the most, is Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And so I want you to find 1 Corinthians 13, and I want to jump down to about verse 4. I want to start in verse 4 if we can move the slide there. And it says, love is patient, love is kind. It is not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled, and where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy, prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, and I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to exchange the word love with God. And when you do that, you have a good description of who God is. God is patient and kind. He's not jealous. He's not boastful. God is not proud or rude. God keeps no record of wrongs. God never gives up. That's a beautiful picture of God. Now, I want to take it a step farther, and I want you to do this. I want you to put your name in place of love, and then you will discover in a very humble way how much we all have to grow. Okay? So, who can I pick on this morning? 
I'm going to pick on Jimmy. I just love Jimmy Faulkner. So, it could read like this. You insert your name. Jimmy is patient and kind. Jimmy, are you? You don't have to answer that. Jimmy is not jealous. Jimmy's not boastful. Jimmy's not proud. Jimmy's not rude. Jimmy keeps no record of wrongs. Jimmy never gives up. You put it all... <laughs> Thank you. You put it all in perspective when you see it that way. And it's a humble thought to insert your name there. And it probably brings you to your knees to realize, oh, thank goodness for God and for His grace and His mercy. Because here's the deal, church. We are not where we want to be, right? We always stand in need to be a more loving child of God, right? We will never be perfect at it. And praise God that we serve a God of creation that understands that. And again, that's why we stand in need of His grace and His mercy every day because we fall short of that love that we need to have for Him and that love that we need to have for others. We fall short of it daily. So I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 22, and I want you to find verse 34. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. It's the section where Jesus is talking about the greatest command. And in verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, and one of them, the expert in the law, tested him with this question. And he said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so here's what happens. After Jesus introduces the new commandment, the great commandment doesn't appear again. And so it's as though the new commandment that Jesus gives, where he says in John chapter 13, verse 35, he says, by, all, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you agree with one another, right? No, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And so the new commandment didn't eliminate the greatest commandment, but it changed the very structure of it. And the law said, you have to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I think like most of us feel, man, I just don't do that very well. And then love your neighbor as yourself, we think, oh my goodness, I really fail at that a lot, right? In John's teaching, I think he's basically saying this, that the main focus is for you and I to learn 
to receive God's love. So as when Jesus said, you know the Father's love is in me and I have passed it on to you. And so I want to ask you this morning, do you feel loved by God? Sometimes we're pretty hard on ourselves, aren't we? And sometimes we're so hard on ourselves that maybe we just say, Lord, why me? Well, I mean, what have I done to deserve your love? And the answer to that is what, church? Nothing. And when you can come to grips with that, you know what? I think you have a basic understanding of the love of God. He loves us. And it was evident when he gave up and he sacrificed his son. You think about sacrifices that you've made this morning. Have you ever had to sacrifice one of your kids? No. He did. Because he knew that's the only way it's going to work. It's the only way it's going to work. So he sacrificed them, went to that cross, and you know what drove him to the cross? Love. You know what kept him on the cross? Love. You know what ought to motivate us to love God more and more each day? The cross of Jesus Christ. That's it. And if there's anything else that you hear this morning, may you hear this. If we can cling to the cross of Christ and hold on to that in our hearts, church, we've got it. Oh, not that we're perfect. We're not. But we always look to a perfect Savior, Jesus the Christ. And as we look to the Christ... And as we see him vividly on that cross, it was a terrible scene. It was awful. But he endured it. He went through it for you and for me. And he went through it so we could have life. And as John says in his gospel, that we can have it more abundantly what a blessing that is so turn to first john chapter four. First john chapter four and look at verse seven. First john four verse seven dear friends let us love one another for love comes from god everyone who loves has been born of god and knows god whoever does not love does not know god because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Two questions. Do we love God like we really should? 
Do you love God right now in your life? Do you love God like you really should? And number two, do we love each other like we really should? Two questions you have to ask. Two questions you have to answer. And I think to both of those, well, I know to both of those, do we love God like we should? No, we don't. Do we love each other like we should? No, we don't. We strive to, we want to, but we mess it up sometimes, don't we? And wouldn't it be terrible to know that if you mess those two things up, wouldn't it be awful to know if God would just say, you're done? Man, that's pretty bad, right? Can't get any worse than that. But he doesn't do that, does he? He knows our weakness. He knows our shortcomings. He knows our heart. And he knows the very moment that we said or did something to show that we don't love each other like we should, he knows. They didn't really mean that. And we have that opportunity to be forgiven. Isn't forgiveness a beautiful picture? And so, what do you do with love? I mean, if we're to love people as Jesus loved them, then think about it. Our love will be unconditional. I want you to think about it like this. God loves us because he chooses to love us. He didn't have to. He chose to. And if you think about it, it's not just a one-time act. He makes that decision how often, church? All the time. Do we? See, he loves us all the time. Do we do that? You see, God loves us because he chooses to love us, not because we have it all together. Romans 5, God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us because he chooses to love us, not because we loved him first. We just read that in 1 John 4. And I love how author Brennan Manning said it. He said, God loves you unconditionally as you are, not as you should be, because nobody is as they should be. Summed it up pretty well, didn't he? And so we're loved. And he loved us sacrificially. If you look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And I want to tell you, the whole discussion of women submitting to their husbands becomes a mute point when husbands love their wives like that. Now, if you're not loving your spouse that way, it's going to be a long, miserable life for you. But again, what does God say? God, through Paul, says, if you do it this way, you're going to be okay. You're going to be good. And then that idea of forgiveness. Peter came to Jesus in Matthew 18 and asked, Lord, how many times do I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven? 
Jesus said, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. It's endless, isn't it? There's a song, Endless Love. Okay? I mean, they're just, the love songs are everywhere, aren't they? You know where else love songs are found? All through Scripture. Love songs that you can sing, love songs that you can pray over, love songs that are just there as a gift from God to you. Let them sink in to your heart. And what a difference it will make. And so, let me give you three things as we close this morning that if we just continue to bathe in the love that God has for us, here's the difference it makes. Jesus' love in our hearts enable us to love the unloved matthew 25 was the first scripture that came to my mind when i thought about that for i was hungry and you gave me something to eat i was thirsty and you gave me something to drink i was a stranger and you invited me in i needed clothes and you clothed me i was sick and you looked after me i was in prison and you came to visit me when you have the love in your heart from Jesus, you will love everybody. And I said you'll love the unloved because that's the way that our world would say it. But you know what? We are not of this world, are we, church? We're in a higher kingdom. We're in a kingdom that will never fade, never pass away. And when you're in the kingdom of Jesus, you'll love everybody. It's not an option. And so Jesus' love in our hearts enables us to love the unlovable. Again, the world says there's just some folks that you just cannot love. And that statement is completely false, right? Because when you have the love of God right here, it may be hard to love certain people, but you can. And you will, and you should, and you must. Because if you don't, you've got to answer for that to God. Because God is love. And Jesus' love in our hearts enables us to show the world what true love looks like. It is way too easy to blend in to the world. It is altogether something different to stand out and to be different. So, are you blending in or are you standing out? And when you stand out, you're not going to be popular. But you'll be pleasing to God. And that's what matters the most. And so maybe, maybe George Wald was correct. What we want is love. What matters is love. And I challenge you this morning, stop working for it. And stop thinking that you have to earn it. Because you can't do enough good things to earn God's love. 
What he wants you to do more than anything is to just say, I accept it. He's given it to you. He's given it to me. And what he wants us to do is say, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. And thank you for blessing me. Let his love mark you with this message. It's a great message. And it's one that just sums up everything. And it's this. God loves you. Period. That'd be a great bumper sticker, wouldn't it? God loves you. Think about these things. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. Let's stand as we sing an invitation song this morning. King of my life, I, I crown thee now. Thy shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Show me the tomb where thou wast laid. I'd be seated for just a moment. Church, as we bring our day to a close, I have some things on my heart that I want to share with you as a church family. I shared these thoughts with our elders a few weeks ago, and I want you to know before I even share my thoughts with you, how much I love our shepherds and I love the leadership team of this church from the staff and the shepherds and the deacons and 
our vision team, to everybody in this church, I want you to know how much our family loves this church. After a lot of prayer, it's with mixed emotions this morning that I give you my resignation as your preaching minister. Our family has accepted the invitation from the Walnut Church of Christ in Texarkana to be their new preaching minister. And this decision comes after a lot of prayer, after a lot of discerning what God's will is for our life. And we feel at this time that this is an opportunity that God has put in our path that we cannot say no to. Over the last few years, I have really spent a lot of time talking to God and praying for God to show us what His will is. Just like I've preached about that every Sunday. And for the past 18 years, it has been such a blessing for us to call this our home. I never dreamed in 1999 that I would have the opportunity to move back here as one of your ministers to serve with these teenagers now that are grown and make me feel really old. But that was a blessing. And then two years following that to transition into the associate minister's role, 14 years ago at the end of May, I would have completed as your preaching minister. That has been a blessing. You have loved us. You have encouraged us. You've motivated us. And you have urged us to grow with you as a church. And I cannot thank you enough for that. Carrie Ann and I feel so blessed to know that our four children, Bailey and Sam and Abby and Daniel, this is the only church they know and so it's going to be a challenge it's going to be a hard move for Daniel and Abby but we are convinced that God will see us through that and he'll work in those kids lives and help us and we're going to need that so our plan is to continue to minister here through the end of May uh, we want Carrie Ann to be able to finish up teaching she teaches at Justice Elementary, and our oldest son, Sam, graduates from Paris High School, and we want him to do that, and then we will close our time out here, and here's the good news. Well, it is for us. We're only 90 miles away, and we are leaving family behind, and so we will be back to see family and to see all of you as our church family, and we look forward to that on many, many occasions. But I ask in the meantime that you keep our family in your prayers during this transition and pray that our house sells <laughs> and just continue to pray for all of us as we will pray for this great church. Thank you for allowing me a few minutes to share that with you this morning. And uh, I love, Carrie Ann loves, and our four children love all of you very deeply. And so there's not any rumors. I want you to know this. My dad had nothing to do with this process. <laughs> His, he really didn't. 
His prayer and his dream was for him to retire and move here so I could be his preacher. And as he told me the other day, God must have a sense of humor because I just cannot believe this. And so that was tough. But being able to go into a church for the second time to follow my dad is big steps, but I also see it a very unique and a very blessed thing to do. We had no idea when the church called us over there a few months ago what was up. But it's a God thing. And as I have poured my heart out for 14 years as your preacher, we need to be about God things. Sometimes they're tough, but it's always the right thing to do is to follow God. And so, thank you, church, and we love you with the love of the Lord. Well, it just so happened that I drew the short straw to be the elder of today. <coughs> I don't know, Patrick's supposed to be the emotional one today, <coughs> not me. I don't know how, you know, some of you may not know, Patrick left out a part of his tenure at Lamar Avenue. I don't know the exact age, but he was about 5 to about 15 that he spent here as well. So he spent 28 years of his life here, all of which I was here as well. So to hear this for us is like one of your children coming to you and saying, I'm leaving home. And you want your children to do good and you want them to do good things and you want them to have life they want to have, but you're still, your children are gone. And I feel that way about Patrick and Carrie Ann and, and the four children. This is just, I, I've never known in all of my years of being somewhere where anybody was loved as much as Patrick and his family. And for us, that's going to be a difficult transition of our own. You know, when you know somebody and you speak to them. But I admire him and his family for being able to trust God and to be able to look and see where he thinks he can be used the most. And I really pray that God will bless him. I believe he will. We got about three months to get over this. And, uh, and so you'll have time to talk with Patrick and you'll have time to visit with Carrie Ann and the kids and, and maybe soften the blow. It's kind of like, I know a lot of you have had death and you've had sudden death of someone and don't really have time to get ready and that's really hard. Sometimes you get the word that they're going to die and you kind of get ready for it and I feel kind of like this is one of those. 
uh, it kind of has the same feeling. We're, we're about to, you know, somebody's about to die and be gone from us. But we've at least got three months to get ready. <clears throat> All of you may not appreciate that analogy. <clears throat> I, I'm not talking about Patrick. I'm talking about my inner emotions. So how I feel about this is, is uh, pretty tough. It's pretty hard. Uh, Patrick, Carrie Ann, kids, um, we really love you, and uh, we appreciate what you've done, and we will miss you. And so, today's uh, little talk is not formal. I have nothing written down. <clears throat> it's just from the heart. We will have time to plan formal ones where we might say all kinds of things. And we'll have time to plan it and you'll have time to be a part of it. And we'll have time to celebrate uh, the good times we've had together. So we're going to let Patrick off a little bit light in that he's going to send his dad down here and at least we'll have the same number of canons minus the children. But I think we'll get them back a good bit. So for the church, we're going to ask you uh, to help us through this time. Uh, we're going to ask you to help Patrick and his family through this time. And we're all going to get through it because God is going to win every time. And I really believe that Patrick and his family are um, really seekers of God's will. And I believe that's why he made the decision he made. And so with very mixed emotions, we, get, we go through this. And so, as a church, uh, show your love to them and enjoy them and bid them Godspeed. And I want to have a special prayer. Um, and then I have, well, I'll, gi I'll give you the short announcement or I'll probably forgive it, forget it. I was asked, for those of you who can, uh, we are taking meals to Rhonda Brown. Uh, for a little longer, and on the church blog, you can go there, and there are a few blank places. If you could go there or get your children to get you there um, and sign you up, then we can take care of Rhonda and probably Chris even more than Rhonda. But we'll get that done. So if you'll bow with me, uh, we'll pray, and it will serve as our dismissal prayer as well. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the love that you have for us. Father, we thank you for all that you do for us. Father, we confess to you that we uh, fail and we fall short. 
Father, we ask that you would give us wisdom and discernment and help us in our lives to make choices and things that are right, things that you would have us do. Father, we are thankful today for Patrick, Terry Ann, their children, their family, for all that they have given to us in the many years they've been here. Father, we're praying a special blessing upon them today, that you would bless them in every way as they have made a choice in serving you, and we honor them for that. And we pray, Father, that indeed you will bless them and use them, that you'll bless the church that they're going to. We pray that they will uh, bear up uh, Patrick's family, we pray that Patrick will lift them up and draw them closer to you. Father, we ask you to bless um, Daniel and Abby, especially as they have to start in a new place, go to a new school, go to a new church. We pray that you will use them, that they will stand out as followers of you as examples of good families and, and good followers of you. Comfort them and bless them, Father, and find them a good place. Father, we just pray that you take care of them, and we know that you will. We pray for us as a church, that you'll bear us up, that you'll draw us together, and that indeed you will send us someone uh, to take Patrick's place. Father, we just thank you for um, always being there. And we pray that every day uh, we can more and more come to see your will for our lives, make the difficult choices that we need to make to be in step with your son Jesus. We ask that you bless us as we depart today. Watch over us and keep us. 